welcome back to the comic shop drop my name's toby i'm here as always with my brother dave what's up shavy d excited to be here toby so this is going to be our weekly breakdown of the comics hitting the shelves the week of march 2nd so we're going to get to that in just a little bit but before we do that let's kind of break down what we've been watching, what we've been reading, and whatnot. And for me this week, the big one was the premiere over on the CW of Superman and Lois. I've been really looking forward to this one, as you know, Shavy D, and as we've discussed on the show, I'm a big fan of the Arrowverse shows. And, you know, this is the first time they've kind of had their own Superman, you know, with the, with his own show. Um you know, it's Tyler Hawkland's Superman and Elizabeth Tullock's Lois Lane, who have appeared on a lot of the crossovers and have been on Supergirl quite a bit. But uh, this, sorry, my cat just knocked some shit over. But um, so they've been on a lot of episodes so far. But this kicked off their own show, and I loved it. Um, you know, I I had my reservations going in. You know, having heard that it was going to be kind of the story of teenage twin sons and you know i think you and i discussed that i had apprehension because i'm such a fan of the super sons um that i almost wish they had you know been able to do something with that story but obviously they can't do that but uh you know so far i'm loving what they've done with this story and and we'll get into it but uh i know you just watched it shavy d so i want to get your initial reactions uh, yeah, my overall initial reaction is is positive. It's I'm excited about it. It's as we get into the specifics, I have really two maybe issues with with what they're doing. But other than that, um, I'm very excited. I'm very I like the vibe. I I like the the actors in it. I'm pretty excited about the storyline and it seemed, you know, the general direction it seems to be going in and I'm on board for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and this discussion is going to be, you know, filled with spoilers. So, you know, just know that going in, but um, yeah. So as this one kicks off, you know, we, we kind of get the, just the real encapsulated version of, the origin story it's basically just him telling the story of you know the big moments of his life are the ones that he remembers most so we you know see him coming to earth and we see you know him growing up in smallville and his dad dying and see him meeting lois lane and all that stuff and then eventually becoming superman and i love that scene because you know obviously it's a very uh you know spot on nod to the original action comics with you know him picking up the green car and everything but uh i i I love that scene because it set the tone very much for this superman you know you got to see kind of him you know i love the kids like oh nice suit he's like yeah my mom made it for me you know and he's just real um you know it's the comic book superman it's not you know we've been so and i love Zack snyder's man of steel and you know, a lot of the stuff that's come after it, but we've been so inundated the last several years with, like, the dark take on all the the comic book characters and the, you know, gritty, realistic take, and I just love coming out of the gate with this one seeing just a very, you know, hopeful kind of uh, positive take on on it, because that's what it should be at the end of the day. Absolutely. 
Superman should always be positive. And uh, I liked the sense of the direction I thought they were going into that it's, you know, Superman is obviously not only physically gifted, but he's, you know, mentally gifted and all these different things. But, you know, so much of what it makes him the true hero that he is and, and when he's at his best is that he's a, he's a feeler. So, uh, so with this one, you know, just the family surrounding him and like you said, in that kind of opening montage, you know, establishing the, the losses that he's had is, is, and then having the series open up with the, you know, the, the next big loss. Um, that's great. I mean, it, it gives it, you know, it, it, it helps us all to, to be in most emotionally invested with him. So, uh, so that well, was, it lets that us was know, I think, too, out of the gate that it's going to be a very different, you know, story than we've at least seen on screen because we just, you know, time lapsed a huge chunk of time that basically every other Superman story we've seen was somewhere in that time frame. I mean, there was at least his mom was still around through all of it. You know, definitely no kids. Very seldom, you know, have we seen a married, you know, Lois and Clark on screen kind of thing. So, you know, I love that it's kind of a jump forward because then it's not, you know, bogged down with any of the expectations of of, of what's happened. So, like, this Superman's career could include a lot of the things that we've already seen in comics or those could be things that haven't happened yet and you know maybe we'll get to see some of those things but they have kind of um left themselves a, a a clean slate i guess which is kind of nice because you know i'm assuming at some point after covid and everything when there can be like crossovers and stuff that you know these characters will be part of the Arrowverse, and, and it'll continue on with that. But for right now, it's just its its own thing. But we know from the end of the Crisis crossover that the slate was kind of wiped clean. So they're not beholden to anything that's happened on any of those shows up till now, which is a, a really good thing. Right. <clears throat> I make. I, I think. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think you make a great point as far as, you know, clean slate, keeping it open-ended, um, the f- just the way the show is working where it, it, we're starting at the point we are, it, it lends to being able to, you know, do flashbacks or do, you know, filler type of stuff as, as needed. Um, but I also like the fact that by having, you know, if you're going to have him, them, or them specifically have children... I like the idea that they're teenage kids like going into high school because anything younger than that and you can easily slip into some kind of silly comedic family type of stuff. And with this, you know, it keeps the stakes a little higher. Um, Obviously, with the with the one son manifesting the power, um, the. Um, you know, they're at the age where that would probably happen if there was a, you know, a puberty as you know, aspect to, to how it got triggered. And, um, you know, so I, I'm, uh, well, it's the perfect age because like, even if it's not necessarily triggered in that way, it's the perfect 
way to tell that story because that's an age where everything's changing so much anyway you know even 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 the son that's not getting powers is you know coming into what is his power you know which is his athleticism and his you know confidence and social ability that that his brother does not have and, and and all of that so um you know i and I, I won't say I was really surprised, you know, by kind of the twist with, you know, with no, not at all. J- Jordan having the powers. I mean, right. you kind of saw, you kind of sure. saw that coming a mile away. But I do really like the way they handled it because they they left that kind of hanging out there. Like there was that period of time where he knew and nobody else did. Like he knew he was the one who saved his brother. You know, under those pylons and stuff like that. And it was kind of... It gave everybody around him that one more chance to underestimate him and assume, you know, that it must be the, you know, the athletic kid or whatever. So it kind of set up, like, the emotional side of that. But one of the things I love, and again, kind of similar to how they they time capsuled everything and and brought us up to present they skip over this show's skipping over a lot of the tropes that i think sometimes these shows will spend you know a season or even two seasons spinning their wheels on so you know not only do we get to skip over the origin skip over the you know parents dying skip over the you know courtship and everything with lois but even with the kids, like, I, I really like the reaction. You know, they had the the big blowout with, you know, mom and dad about keeping the secret and everything. But they forgave them by the end of the pilot, and we're putting that behind us now. And that that's one of the things that I haven't liked about some of the Arrowverse shows is, you know, especially Arrow specifically... But there's always, like, the thing where, you know, somebody finds out that the superhero's been lying to them about something. And the person always has a very, very good reason for lying. And it's usually to protect them or to save lives or to be able to continue to do good things. But they always, like, drag out the whole, you know, the person coming to grips with that and understanding it. It's like... You know, really, if you're a teenage boy and you find out that your dad is Superman, I'd say the turnaround time on being pissed about the line is very fast. You know, not even, like, probably even shorter than it was in this show because you're going to move on to be being, you know, pretty excited about having Superman as a dad pretty quickly, I would guess. Well, excuse me, that was the one thing... Well, one of two things, but specifically that was probably the biggest of the two things that I had issue with because I just don't believe that part of Superman as a parent. I don't believe I do do not believe even to protect them that he would not have told his sons like like the fact that the fact even that they are of you know, that they're teenage boys, you know, obviously there's, there's an angstiness to that age and everything like that. But, but 
Superman being of the character that he is when done right, I just can't, I don't, I'm not buying, even with the time away aspect of, you know, the, the, that part of him, um, you know, that, that was a bit of a stretch for me, but as far as your comment on, you know, yeah, obviously, absolutely knew Jordan was going to be the ones that manifested, manifested his power before Jonathan. Um, but I do think that that absolutely had to be done that way and was done well that way because then it, it did allow for not only the jovial, you know, joking with the brothers saying, hey, well, now I know my skills are for real, you know, but then it did allow Jordan very quickly once Clark sat down to talk to him to forgive him and lean in for the hug. And, you know, it just all played very authentic and very, you know, I'm down with that. The only thing that you know, gave me that little pang, and you'll respect this as a uh, Super Sons fan, is because you somewhat have to split the personality now of the, you know, little bit, you know, second best kind of twin, and then the, you know, the one that's very natural and, and, you know, just, you know, very good at stuff normally, twin. Um the Jonathan Kent character in the comics is so good because he's he is a natural physical specimen but he's just such an innocent kid you know and it's really the relationship with Damien that you know brings him out of his shell and you know starts to make him a little more worldly where you know this this now Jonathan is you know the athletic part is the same but he's you know a little more cock of the walk you know you know, he's got to be different because he's always had that brother that's the introvert. And, you know, before it was, you know, the comic Jonathan is the physicality of Jonathan in the, in the show and the personality a little bit, not quite as dark or, or as damaged, but, you know, of the Jordan. So it, it, it's going to be a, a an interesting, you know, it's going to be a little different. But for, for the purposes of this show, I... Uh, I, yes, I'm very excited. I, I think that they've handled it quite well and, you know, so far so good because I really would like to see the brother relationship be be relatively healthy and, and you know, happy moving forward. So that's, uh, you know, obviously yeah. there's always going to be a little healthy competition, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's got to be some ups and downs and, you know, at, at some point. Right. You know, I, I mean, at, at some point... Uh, Jonathan's gonna get some powers, even if it's only on a temporary, Certainly. you know, red kryptonite basis or something. <laughs> Something's gonna happen because it has to, just because it has to. But um, um, yeah, I like that. Like with with Jordan, though, they made him like they didn't go. I like that they went more with the social anxiety and all of that angle. But they didn't, I mean, they they made him teen angsty, you know, because of his relationship, you know, mostly because of his dad, you know, basically. But they didn't make him dark, you know. He's still a really sweet kid, you know. He's still... Absolutely. You know, when he's, like, with the girl, the Lang kid, you know, he's just a really nice, sweet kid. He's not, like, you know, mad at the world or whatever. He's just got 
legitimate issues with his parents, and he's, you know, he needs some medication, but he's not like a... It's not like the good twin, bad twin thing, which, you know, would have been very easy for them to do, you know? Yeah, I was very, I was actually fearful of, quite fearful of that. So I'm glad that they didn't go that route. And, uh, and yeah, I, am actually, you know, I was almost even reticent to accept the Jordan character maybe because I was afraid that, so afraid that they were going to go dark and so far so good. I, I'm, I'm. I'm very anxious to see how they develop him because, um, you know, again, when when Superman, when you know Clark Kent Superman is done right, you know, he is this awesome hero that's got to take on all these responsibilities. But it's, it's always the, you know, the weight on the world of, you know, the, the emotional weight of the world on his shoulders that that, you know, is the toughest for him to to bear. And, uh, you know, and so they can do you know, the CW version of that, um, you know, in this one, especially with the kids and all the different tie-ins and throwbacks. You know, I love the, uh, uh, you know, the very first Easter egg I saw was the uh, behind, uh, it must have been behind Clark, maybe, when he gets the phone call, but uh, on the blackboard. Oh a, yeah, I saw that it was uh, Doctor um, Doctor Donner. Doctor Donner, right? <laughs> and then it said, yeah, uh, and then it said something else about uh, Siegel and Schuster. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. I always saw the Doctor Donner, but uh, yeah, I think maybe one of uh, um, Jordan's superpowers. He's definitely going to have his, you know, slower aging like his dad because he already only looks like maybe two years older than the twins are supposed to be, where his brother looks about five years older than they're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Because did you catch that? I mean, she said they're 14, Clark. I'm like, okay. One of them looks maybe 16 at least, and the other one looks like 19 at least. Yeah, definitely. It's just so funny. And I know obviously all shows do that, but... I kind of feel like maybe they should have just made the boys like 16 or whatever, you know. Yeah, I didn't catch I the 14. I was certainly assuming more, like even though they said freshman, I, I was, I certainly was seeing more like a, you know, a, a late 15, if not 16, right? Um, yeah, that seems silly, especially because they could have done anything because they're about to change them to, you know, they're still going to be going to new schools. It's still going to be the first day at a new school, you know, when when they all move and everything so i don't know just seems like a bad idea but although maybe it's just like they want to keep them in high school for more seasons i mean i can see why they would want to do that i'm sure that's exactly what it is and 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 the two kids seem to be pretty good actors or young men let's call them instead of kids but uh and they also look like twins you know they look totally like i mean obviously they look different but they totally look like they could be you know, like paternal twins, where it's not the same. You know, it's it's close yeah, enough, I lo- but I different like enough. That. I love their their chemistry between yes, the two so of them, and I think that's going to be and, huge for the show. And the other thing too is that I don't know if you know maybe they specifically cast it this way, or if it was as the casting was happening, maybe they had to continue it that way. But like, you know, the the Lang girl and her boyfriend both look like. You know they could be about to enter college as well so like you know if you're gonna you can't have you know if, if all these kids are like freshman age but they all look that way 
then I guess you can kind of buy into it a little easier than... Well, and, like, they get, like... I mean, the one dude, like, the, the girl's boyfriend, I mean, he could have been a senior or whatever, too, so that... Because like, I could I could buy her as the same age as as those boys, but yeah, that boyfriend looked like he was already a grown ass man. Right, but what I'm saying is, even with her, she doesn't look 14. So if they're making her, no. you know, the, the, a classmate of theirs, not just a, a you know, if she's going to be a year or two older, then that might be different. But I I, I doubt that. I certainly would think that. She yeah, it was the same age. thing in Smallville. <laughs> I mean, he he had a little bit more of a baby face I guess but like in the first season of Smallville when they were like freshmen in high school and you know he's like 6'5 or whatever you know I mean he was already right. as, as right. tall as he was ever going to be I mean straight up like <laughs> a- anything shy of Porky's and you're uh, and you're doing alright I mean those, yeah. those those were like those those dudes were like late 20 late 20s like right, 30 30s yeah. right so like that's yeah uh, they, they they were like uh you know luke perry and 90210 <laughs> right right exactly or you know michael j fox <laughs> all right all right there's 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 uh ralph, ralph, ralph machio ralph machio i mean we can go on totally. and on there's actually a, a handful of pretty famous thing with him though is he still he still looks the same age now he, he can still <laughs> play high school now right um, but uh, another thing I love that they did with this is in terms of like, you know, skipping over the BS parts that we've seen is they've established that he has kind of a Commissioner Gordon relationship with General Lane, which is good because, yep, you know, that's what I, I didn't want, want the show to have to be, you know, them butting heads or them hiding this from the teenage son still or whatever. Like, at least we've kind of wrapped all that up. But, uh, yeah, I like... That's essential. I like kind of the, the um, you know, the little turn on the, the father-in-law relationship where, you know, it's not the... You know, he's the one saying don't spend as much... I mean, he's saying don't spend as much time at home with my daughter and and my grandkids, you know, you need to be out being Superman or whatever, which is kind of a weird, there will certainly be unexpected turn. There will certainly be some funny parts that, that reflect what you're talking about right there. But I, but the original point I think is well taken. I mean, it's, uh, it's essential for the non cheese factor for him to, for all of his key relationships to be transparent. That's why I, I, I wouldn't, you know, again, I, I don't believe that he, it wouldn't have gone this long without telling, you know, confiding in his boys, his sons, that, uh, you know, the truth. But anyway, having forgiven all that, absolutely, for this show to work, you know, now that his mother's gone, um, you know, as long as Lois, the boys, and, and General Lane uh, know, then really... There's no other relationship where it's essential that that they have to know. So it's it, it right. kind of works. Everybody perfectly. else, everybody else that needs to know is dead. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, because that would have that would have been lame to to do like a, you know, like I even for a second because I was afraid it was going to become that. Like when he first came home and you know. 
the, the kid's like, yeah, yeah, mom told me you couldn't catch a flight back or whatever. At that moment, I'm like, oh, this isn't going to be like I'm off being Superman all day and not telling my kids, you know. Because I agree with you. That's not a, that's the most non, you know, Clark kind of thing that they built into it that it took this long for them to do it. Because the part that I could understand, like I totally got when he was like, well, this is going to make him feel more alien than he already feels right now. At that point, he's totally right about that. I could see why he would be afraid to tell him, but, you know, if it was a little more true to the character, it probably never would have gotten that far. They would have known right from the beginning. Right, and that's a problem. And Clark Kent is not a man that would have a problem before it happens. If that problem arose, then he would deal with it on, on site with his son. But prior to that, he would look look and be hopeful that 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 wouldn't arise that they neither one would get powers or they would both get powers or whoever did and didn't they would all work out because everybody was i mean for goodness sakes the the catchphrase is truth justice in the american way you know i mean it's not the american way anymore they don't use that anymore but truth is the absolute first word in what he stands for so you don't think he's going to be honest with his sons so again i i forgive it you know all is forgiven by the end of the episode it absolutely puts all the people in place for I'm very happy. I'm very comfortable with like even the I I think we've talked about before that I wasn't now I didn't complete the entire series, but I watched the first couple seasons of Grimm and I didn't really care for that actress in that series, but I I totally having not really seen her much in the other series or you know a little bit in the crossovers from the previous CW series. Um, I, by the end of this one, I mean, I'm, I'm invested. She, uh, I can't remember that she had two really good lines where, you know, I just feel like she gets it. Like she's, you know, she, they're not overplaying the, you know, the brassy, you know, lowest lane reporter getting it done thing. They're, so much of what she's going to be is, you know, still that, you know, that that's part of who she was and is. But like, you know, she is a mom. She has evolved and, priorities. Right. To she absolutely. To she is a mom. Before. She is someone who, you know, is caring about Superman as Superman and also caring about Clark as Clark. And really, you know, you're, you get a sense that she's really doing a good job of that, you know, Again, like like you said, even the relationship she, she, with she was super the, believable. The father-in-law, as a, there's just so much established in in this uh, pilot where I just really feel like, you know, boy, they've uh, you know they, they they've hit the right tones, you know, with with pretty much all of these these characters. Well, if they want to hit, if they want to hit a home run, like. Like, in my opinion, you know, like the first few seasons of The Flash were, they have to make sure that they nail the heart aspect of it, the family aspect of it, where if you removed all of the superpowers from the story, you'd still have a compelling family story. And, you know, the couple moments where I thought that that was very where they were just very believable as a family what i loved like you know clark basically you know saves the reactor from blowing up which was a 
we can talk about special effects. I mean, obviously their budget was great, at least for this pilot, but the dumping the iceberg, you know, or lowering it slowly down. I mean, that was great. I loved that whole scene. But I loved him rolling back in late, and, you know, she's working. She's on the phone working on a story. But she just kind of puts the phone down and is like, uh, hey, Jonathan's got some big news for you. Apologize to Jordan, you missed therapy. <laughs> like, right. she's just, you know, she's the bad, you know, as he says in, in the intro, the most famous reporter in the world. But, you know, she's working late and still taking care of business and directing Superman to where he fucked up today and he needs to, you know, go fix it. And, you know, I just love that. And then I also love later in, in the show where, you know, she basically puts her foot down and is like, look, Superman's... You know, the world's always going to need Superman, and, you know, you're going to be there. You always are, but right now we need you more. You need to be here. Yeah. And it wasn't in a, you know, you know, oh, let's see what Superman's like if he has a nagging wife kind of way. It's like a here's a legit family, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes mama's got to put her foot down and say this is what's got to happen. Oh, absolutely. That was actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the. Lois Lane is such a true, and I don't mean inflated, false, bullshitty kind of feminist hero. Lois Lane is a feminist hero, a genuine feminist hero. And I love the tone of this one for exactly the reasons you're talking about, because she's absolutely balancing all this i mean there was not a second in this movie or in this pilot where she's not absolutely involved in the decision making process not only for you know them as the family of four but them as the unit of two you know her and clark but yet there's never a push there's never a manipulation there's never a nag like you said it's all like just very much like this is what we've talked about. This is what we've agreed. This is what we've whatever. And it's never uh, like a. There's never a moment that she doesn't feel like, you know, there's a that, that there's control there. And uh, right. And, and, and uh, you know, and I don't mean that, in, again, in a manipulative or negative way. So, uh, yeah, I love well, no, it. No, she's, she's not making him feel bad about not being there. She understands, Correct. you know, the whole thing. She's just being the, you know, the reminder of, hey, you know, don't forget this. Don't forget that. You know, you have right. a lot of. Being a, a partner, being a, spinning here, be, you being know? a true partner. And there's, you know, there's so many things that we all juggle for each other when you're in a partnership. But then imagine being in a partnership with a superhero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, right, know, exactly. You know, so like, yeah. Well, and and also, as we see in the, you know, opening kind of montage, I mean, they've been through a lot, you know, I mean, they've dealt with the the you know two very different twins and you know one who's had a really rough time and that's like you know on on any set of parents that's gonna be just draining let alone when you know one of them is superman and the other one is a super powerful you know career woman you know 
Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a the 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 door is wide open to amazing story potential. So I'm I'm very excited where they where they've started from and you know where 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 you get the sense they're headed to. So any theories on Captain Luthor? Uh I'm I got I have the sense of like future, but I don't really you know, obviously that that's that's an easy kind of you know, that's uh, a bit the of a sandbag thing, because of the technology that that we see him dealing with. But you know, I don't know. Here's here's my theory. Mm-hmm. I I have a theory. Okay, good. Because we have to remember that even though there has been no mention of it, um, and I didn't really think about this. Like I thought it was just going to be a new take and kind of a, <clears throat> you know, somewhat built from whole cloth you know, kind of villain or whatever that they're doing. But then I went back and watched um, on the CW app, there's like that little 20 minute like feature you know, it was basically just the hype reel. I think like the premiere I'm assuming was like two hours and that was part of it. So it was just kind of like not really behind the scenes but just kind of setting the table for Lois or Superman and Lois. Um, And in that they had a lot of footage of the Arrowverse stuff and, like, you know, shout-outs from, you know, other actors on the other shows. So even though the pilot didn't reflect any connection to the Arrowverse whatsoever, like, including, you know, I mean, if it was truly super-connected, you would you could make an argument that, you know, when Lois said, hey, we need you here, he would have been like, okay, you know, Kara can come take a look at that reactor or whatever um but because that little show had so many connections to it i think that maybe this captain luther it it somehow escaped one of the other earths that got destroyed because he kept he made reference a couple Mm. times to how he was the only survivor from his world as well so if he was basically the Lex Luthor of some other world, one of the ones that didn't make it through during Crisis, but somehow he did, <clears throat> that would explain how he is Luthor, but obviously, you know, he's a black guy, different appearance than, than the Lex that we know in the Arrowverse, but we've already seen that there's multiple Lexes in the Arrowverse. Um, but I'm thinking maybe he's that, because that would explain how he knows... You know, maybe on his Earth he's had a long history with Superman and that's how he knew about Kryptonite and, you know, the lead, not being able to see through lead and all of that stuff. It's exciting. That's an absolutely exciting theory and, and I could totally buy into it. And, yes, that would, that would boy, it would make for some good storytelling. So. And we leave the door open for, you know, the, the John Cryer lacks to you know, return as part of this because he's still in this universe and I actually kind of liked him, so, um, you know, I'd like for there to be room for multiple laxes if, if needed. Yeah, I didn't... <clears throat> I'm not necessarily as big of a fan of him as, as you are, but I, uh, I... I actually like the idea of a, a slightly more militarized lex, so this, this actually is potentially reading, you know... Uh, something that I would be into. So, 
Exciting. Yeah. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Should be cool. All right. Well, we're going to make our picks from the new releases from Marvel and DC up next. We'll be right back. picks for the week and shavy d i've got dc this week so i'm gonna kick it off and uh this awesome. is gonna be a cool week because my pick for the, for new releases coming out on the second of march is infinite frontier number zero so you know we've discussed a lot of the future state books coming out over the last few weeks so that's kind of been the the look at at a potential future of the dc universe but Infinite Frontier is kind of what's what's kicking off like the next era, I guess. Um, you know, in terms of you know it was Rebirth and then whatever came after that. But you know, this Infinite Frontier is kind of the next next era. So this one's going to cover um, the new uh, Wonder Girl that's coming in. I believe is part of this um, Batman. Um, they're bringing Stargirl back into kind of the continuity. Um, I'm sure that's part of part of Jeff Johns' plan because um, this is kind of a collaboration. Um, Scott Snyder, Brian Michael Bendis, Jeff Johns. I mean, everybody's kind of involved in this because it's setting the table for everything that's going to come next. But I think it's kind of a probably a must get for DC readers because everything that you're going to be reading. Um, over the next several months, I think is going to tie into this Infinite Frontier. So I'm excited about it. I don't know too much about the story because I think this one, it, it sounds like this first issue is going to be actually just s completely separate stories, just all in one book is kind of what it looks like. Um, so I don't know how much of that's going to cross over and when, but uh, Infinite Fr Frontier number zero. Have you seen this one, Shavy D? Uh, no, I haven't, but it sounds exciting. I'm really, uh, you've got me uh, pretty pumped up. Yeah, it says, uh, the first thing in the in the blurb about it says, In Gotham City, the Joker jolts citizens awake with an attack even the Dark Knight never expected. So that's going to be kind of that side of the story. And then um, there's uh, an Amanda Waller piece to it. I think she she's going to play a big part i guess there's some kind of invasion on arkham asylum that she's involved in but uh well, yeah it looks pretty sweet well good i mean i and i always like to you know obviously if there is going to be some sort of reset or or you know realignment it's nice to to have the ability to kind of not only get in early but also have a you know this sounds like it might be a little bit of a road map if you will and uh the other thing too is I, you know, I, I keep in the back of my mind that obviously with the with the recent, uh, you know, HBO Max coming online, uh, you know, and I think a lot of dollars now, you know, really getting uh, put towards uh, DC titles, you know, you know, and develop developing them into uh, more and more things. Um, you know, I, I'm 
I really am very conscious and very interested in seeing how how much that now comes back and affects the books like we've talked about in the past. So so this will be, you know, and especially with with people like Jeff Johns and and that that are you know have feet in both arenas and you know w- with both good and bad results uh you know so it'll be uh well totally it'll be yeah. interesting I mean, if, Je- if yeah, like sure. if if jeff john like because this this issue looks like it's almost like kind of a excuse me like a sampler almost it's separated probably into separate stories and then each of these are going to be their own kind of thing moving forward so like if there's going to be a new star girl series i mean i'm sure it's going to heavily influence you know obviously what happens on the tv show and vice versa and and all right. that but uh yeah i mean for me especially like you know i've been reading the old stuff mostly on the app and everything and i'm really you know excited to get back into the stores and start reading the new stuff now and i love a new jumping off point i mean i think that's Really, that's why they do it, I think, is the big reason that they do it every few years is, you know, because new readers come and go, and and I think people like to have that starting point where they don't feel like they've missed the story. So I think this is going to be a, a good chance to get in. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, years ago there was a lot of that kind of cleaning house aspect to those things where, you know, maybe you you know, different stories go out of control or, or paint themselves into sp- specific corners and then you've got to kind of set things right. <laughs> or you killed, you killed somebody and you regret it. There you go. <laughs> Whereas of late, I think that maybe it's almost used too much because it does seem like resets happen more and more often. But like you just said, there is something very positive to be said about them in the sense of, you know, being able to get in on the ground floor as well as the idea that, you know, it just gives a little more of a kind of a defined direction to certain characters and maybe, you know, maybe ones that have, uh, you know, toyed at the corners in the, you know, or at the edges in the past now, you know, maybe get books of their own for the first time or, you know, spin off type of stuff. And, you know, and again, especially in a, in a you know, the, the time that we live in where we really, really do want to see you know, as many stories as possible told in as many different, you know, uh, in, in as many voices from as many points of view as possible. Um, you know, there's, there's a, when done right, a good reset is always, always a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of these things too is like the comics industry has changed a lot with the digital stuff because, it seems like now they would have like I know that they've canceled a lot of I know that they're publishing fewer titles you know actual physical titles but I think eventually there will come a time where you know yes there will be fewer and fewer of the physical comics which will be sad you know kind of a end of an era kind of thing but at the same time I think by moving so much to digital it's going to be so much cheaper for them to take a chance on different artists and storytellers and, you know, give them a shot to see if there's an audience for whatever, whatever they're doing, because, you know, they don't actually have to, you know, chop down trees and, and print out all the comics, you know, they can just test the waters digitally. And then if they get a winner, then, you know, we publish that one maybe. 
Right. I mean, there is obviously that is valid. I mean, as far as the the ecological effects. So you know, I mean, as someone that does care about that that those things, you know, that I do have to acknowledge that. But but I do I do think that you know the other aspect is you know comes with both good and bad. Like I, I like what you're saying as far as you know when you're working in the digital format. Let's say you do have the chance to go in different directions, more you know more and and diversified and and in depth storytelling. Um, giving more artists and writers a chance, you know, all, there, there's definitely some positives. Um, but then there's also, you know, not only just the sheer loss of like that whole tactile sensation of holding a comic and like, you know, I, if, if they ever went completely away, I, I that would be a huge loss, but there's just also oh, something, would. there's also something to be said too, though, about the, you know, the industry itself in the sense of, you know, it's just like now, you know, coming out of the, the situation we've been in for the last year, you know, you know, I, yes, I, I understand that we've learned some lessons as far as, you know, there are ways to collaborate digitally and so on and so forth. But at the same time, there's something to be said about physically, you know, putting pen to paper and being in a, you know, at a drawing table next to someone that, you know, that's got a different table in the corner and you're talking back and forth and sketching and throwing back ideas and, you know, and there's just all this whole, you know, symbiotic relationship to it that, uh, um, you know, there's just creativities that come from that that, that would be, again, would be missed if, if, if that, if the industry itself just goes completely digital. And, uh, and so... Um, yeah, you know, and and I, I I don't think that there's expectation that 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 that's happening, but but it is, you know, by, by there being less books and by you know different technologies changing and evolving, you know, it does affect things. So so it's interesting, but but there are certainly a ton of good stories out there still, and and uh, you know, no matter how we're getting them, whether it's digital or or print, it's uh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of the digital, my my uh, digital pick from uh, DC Infinite this week is All Star Superman. Um, you know, I got kind of the Superman bug watching Superman and Lois, so I went back and and started reading <clears throat> one of my favorites. Um, a lot of people have already read this. I mean, it's definitely a classic, but um, this is Grant Morrison's take on kind of little. I guess vignettes from from Superman's career. You know, it's not really a, a a linear story. You know, it's just eight issues that are, you know, pretty much each their own Superman story. But uh, it's all available on DC Infinite. Um, you know, I love the one um, where Lois gets the powers for the for the day. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of Lois Lane, who we discussed earlier, that that's a great one. Um, you know, there's some great Lex stories in here. It's just, you know, kind of a, a Superman classic. They made an animated version of it, the DC animated, a few years back as well, which is excellent. Um, but I would go back and read it all first and then watch it, I would say, would probably be the way to go. Certainly. it's fa- Yes, it's fantastic. It's great. Great Superman story. 
And then uh, my wild card pick for this week. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you and I have discussed this one yet, Dave. I'm surprised that we haven't. I don't remember us talking about it. But have you watched um, Deathstroke Knights and Dragons yet? No, I saw it um, some time ago where it got released on, I think it got released on like CW or something like that, like a year ago, and I started to watch it. Well, here's it. what they were doing. Okay. I had started to watch it. What, it. what it was, it was, it was on the CW app on the, like the CW seed or whatever, and they yes. were releasing yes. it kind of episodically. Like, I think they had, they put a few of them out. Basically, I think they released enough content to where it was maybe half of the movie, um, and then it just kind of went away. It, I mean, it never or it didn't go away, but it didn't go any further than that. Um, and then when the DC Universe app launched, um, I think it was supposed to be on there. I don't know if it ever quite made it there, but now it's on HBO Max, so you can watch the whole thing on there. And, you know, if you like Deathstroke, it's just a really cool story. It's like it, it doesn't really tie into any other, um, you know, you know how a lot of these DC animated ones, they almost they almost always all, all roads lead back to Batman in most of these animated ones they make. But uh, this one doesn't. It's a complete just a Slade Wilson story. And it's a lot kind of um, about him balancing his career as you know this this uh lethal assassin with being a father and it's kind of told through you know this uh uh storybook that he reads over the phone to his son you know when he's away you know on business and everything and you know but it's all kind of you know a parable kind of for what he's actually doing in his life and everything so really cool one i'm like i said i'm surprised you and i haven't talked about it because i know that you probably uh um like deathstroke as much as i do yes i remember that uh seeing a little bit of it on that cw seed and then so maybe i even watched the full episode or something and then it it went away like you said or whatever but i i i didn't think i even got through that much i i thought i just watched a few minutes of something but i was intrigued by it but then i i never saw it again but then like you said recently i saw that it came to hbo max and i haven't had a chance to watch it yet but but yes i'm i'm you know from from way back like before well first of all you know both you and i are giant uh nightwing fans and you know he is you know right up there as as one of Nightwing's, you know, greatest enemies with, you know, along with like... Well, he's been co-opted, you know, the, the the Justice League took Cyborg and then Batman took Deathstroke. You know, when really I I always see Deathstroke as a Titans enemy, not a Batman enemy. Right, and even more specifically than the Titans, I think he's a, he had naturally Specifically hates a, Dick Grayson. Yes. Right, into a Nightwing enemy, but then, yeah, I think that Batman has not only co-opted but almost downright stolen. Um, but uh, you know, but I, but you know, Nightwing also has Blockbuster, and I think really genuinely from back in the Robin days, uh, I actually heard someone explain recently the how how uh, Two Face was such a pivotal, you know, an instrumental bad guy in in Dick Grayson's evolution and 
it, I, yeah. I bought I bought into that theory, but um, but I digress. Um, it's uh, um, yeah, it's it's one of those cartoons that that I, it's a you looked like a pretty unique animation style, which I'm I'm totally down with, and uh, and kind of coming off of our conversation earlier about uh, Superman and Lois, um, you know, I like the you know, idea of seeing these characters, good or bad, you know, balancing, you know, if they are going to have an alter ego or a secret identity, I like seeing some of that balance, you know, shown to us as the, as the viewer. So it's, uh, so that, you know, that intrigues me for sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is definitely an example of taking, you know, a character that you would definitely considered to be the villain in most other situations you saw him in but you know in this situation he's just a you know he's got a questionable career but you know not not less you wouldn't necessarily call him a villain in this situation it's all with a guy like Slade Wilson it's all relative right and especially because you know especially with uh, in that whole you know, spy or military, you know, storytelling. Oftentimes, you know, you know, there's a, at a minimum an anti-hero element, if not a downright, like, almost, you know, again, we don't want to necessarily go maybe as far as to say villain, but like a, certainly not a hero that then is just thrust into to doing something that is... Um, you know, for the greater good, you know, it's self-serving for that person, but it's also ends up maybe working out for the greater good. You know, that's one of those, uh, uh, Deathstroke is, oh, it, it seems to be one of those characters that falls into that, you know, kind of middle ground a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, like yeah. a, like a Venom does or like a, uh, like a Deadpool or a, you know, Deadpool now nowadays after these Ryan Reynolds movies have has become, you know, really f- far more of a quote unquote good guy. You know, but yeah. um, but anyway, um, yeah. Well, we, we this is where we need uh, Bill Lockhart. We, you needed a good D and D guy to come in because they'll classify your superheroes as like the. Dungeons and Dragons classes, like right, say, okay, right. Deadpool's right. not really, you know, evil. He's more chaotic, neutral, you know, right. So, right. You know, whatever the ones right. are, so right, right, right. Yes, yes. I, I've, I've had that explained to me once, and I, I get some of it, like the, you know, like the lawful evil is like a is right. was, the, was the interesting concept I think I had explained to me where, you know, like. Somebody that's lawful good obviously follows follows the law to the letter. Someone that's, you know, lawful evil is always evil and, and, and is always looking to do evil. Where, you know, say, you know, there's things, again, I don't know those classes or whatever, but then there's things that everything else falls far more in, like, levels of ambiguity of, like... Right. I try to be Shades, good, shades of gray. right? Yeah. But if I gotta, you know, if I gotta cheat the system a little, or hey, I'm always looking to cheat the system. But you know, if society, you know, takes a crap, then I'm I'm a shit out of luck. So I've gotta, 
you know, I've got to at least play, you know, play nice sometimes or whatever. So, right. So it's uh, right. The the way the way Dick Grayson would describe Deathstroke is a lot different than the way Wintergreen would. He'd he'd have only good things to say about him. You know, like, right. Hey, he's great at great at his job. Efficient. Comes yeah. in under budget. Hey, right. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, check that one out. I'm I'm anxious to to hear what you thought of it. Oh, good stuff. Yep. It's on HBO Max now, but I don't know, as we've discussed, things are dropping off of there, here and there, so you might want to catch it while it's on. Yeah, I will, uh, I will definitely do that. I've, uh, um, they've been doing a pretty good job over there with, uh, you know, with uh, expanding the whole DC catalog, so like you said, it's... Oh, yeah, you know, it's, plenty. It's, it's, it's HBO, so there is a, a level of rotation at all times, but... Uh, yeah, that's there's Yeah, there's plenty. I've still been working yeah. through the Batman as we discussed on the previous episode. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to jump in and do uh Static Shock probably when I'm done with the Batman. So that's all on there. So that'll be a little little flashback to my youth. Yes, it keeps I it keeps staring at me. I I I am at some point I will do Static. I've just uh it's just been so tough to keep up on some of the other stuff that I've I've already been watching that no, I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get I get overloaded a little bit. So, so what's up with Marvel this week? What do you got? All right, so I had Marvel, and basically to start with, um, for my print pick for the release on March third, um, I picked King in Black Handbook Number One, and. I think I even stated earlier that uh, I'm a big fan of that whole, like, the idea of the handbook. I like the, like, um, you know. Oh, yeah, we were just discussing that off mic. Yeah, and and like you were saying, you know, Future future State and the different titles in that that whole universe, um, you know, have come up in the past couple shows. And it feels like a a few of these, uh, you know, King and Black stuff has come up as well, and you know it couldn't be more timely than with this one being released, where it's gonna. Um, actually, let me let me give you a little little read, a little section here for you. Um, as the Dark King Null descends on the Marvel Universe, the official handbook turns its focus on all things symbiote for this new collection of profiles. This issue covers not only symbiote hosts such as Venom. Eddie Brock, Carnage, Cletus Cassidy, and Lee Price, but also characters whom symbiotes have affected uh, a couple different people, blah, 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 da, 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 da. And from the pages of Thor, the all-black, the first symbiote. So, um, so I just really like the idea of you know, it's sorting some of this stuff out for me. Um, the artwork, from what I'm seeing from the cover art, at least looks fantastic. Um, is that something the all black? Is that something new that's being introduced as a, you know, original symbiote, or is that something that that has been has existed before? Well, that's the whole thing. Is is I just want to. 
this couldn't have come at a better time as far as sorting that all out for me because I'm not really yeah. sure, especially even from that dis- description, it kind of leaves it where, you know, it could either be introducing it in this this issue, which is fine, or or maybe there it was part of a previous, uh, you know, kind of wor- world-shaking event um, in Asgard, which would be yeah. cool too because then... You know, not only does that set it up for whatever's going on right now in that realm um, for me, but it's also, you know, if it was introduced in a previous series, then, you know, boom, you know, with access to Marvel Unlimited right now, you know, I can just jump over there and, and you yeah. know, it basically gives me, almost gives me a pick, you know, within a pick. So it's... Uh, yeah, maybe not. I'm looking, I'm looking at that issue on... Uh... Uh, League of Comic Geeks right now, and it has it. It always like puts the links to all the different characters. They're like bio pages, and there's not one for the All Blacks. So maybe that's a new. Well, that would be even better if you know, ask me. That's part so. of this. That's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, um, like I said, the cover art looks really good, and it's uh, uh, one of my favorite characters. And and I I, I really enjoyed him in the animated. Uh, in the Spider-Man uh, Unlimited animated series, um, but the um, Flash Thompson, you know, after you know him kind of being the 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 the, the bully, you know, in the you know in the early years, uh, when he becomes Agent Venom, and then I guess in this he's uh, Agent Anti Venom. So, I had kind of lost track of that character, and I'm really anxious to see, like, you know, to kind of get caught up with that and, you know, see where that's going with that. So, yeah. But it's, uh, but it's interesting. I mean, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to really deal with, a, you know, quite a few of these, these characters, and, uh, and, uh, and so, you know. Who knows? Who knows what rabbit hole this is going to take us down? I like it, for sure. So, um, so okay. So that was my, uh, you know, my pick for this, for my new release this week, and then Marvel Unlimited. Um, I basically took inspiration on this one from, uh, you know, recently we've been we've been digging on. Uh, WandaVision and uh, the fact that uh, Agent Wu has been uh, yeah. playing a pretty pretty great, pretty fun part in that. Uh, so this is uh, Agents of Atlas rele- number one, released in 2019. Uh, I'm assuming Atlas is an acronym for something since it's Marvel, right? You know what? I haven't um, I don't know this. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. Um, but Basically, let me let me read this for you. It says, uh, okay. pr- "Protecting every corner of the Marvel U, by pop, backed by popular man, blah, by popular demand, Atlas debut in their own series as Amadeus Cho, Silk, Shang Chi, Wave, and Jimmy Woo, and all your favorites defend the cross Asian portal city of Pan against the science magic." science-magic threat of one of Marvel's classic villains. 
classic Psy magic superhero fun combined with young and old heroes from multiple lands clashing with one another, fighting monsters, and maybe saving the world along the way. Nice. I like it. Oh, dude. And then... I didn't realize Jimmy Woo was a character from the comics. I thought he was a movie. I thought he was just an MCU guy. Oh, man. And it, and the cover art, just it has him looking just like totally, you know, smooth operator style like uh, like he is in the in the MCU. So, um, and I really like the art, the style. Um and then the, the 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 if that wasn't enough, the the thing that finally you know that was just the the kind of the the dot on the exclamation point was uh, uh, plus it says where are the original agents of Atlas, Namora, M11, Gorilla Man, and Marvel Boy in an all new top secret mission? So you know I'm. Uh, I'm down, man. I, I like we've talked nice. about what, what what seems to be a you know a recurring theme. It's just that you know with with these properties doing so well in all these different formats, you know they're just really opening it up, you know, to a lot of different attempts at at different uh, you know different storytelling. So. I'm excited, and and when you can find a, a character like a Jimmy Woo that works so well in a, you know, that can so well ground these fantastical stories with someone that is this fun, cool kind of like everyman, and allow yeah. allows us that access, you know, in a, you know what little bit of grounded you know it can be um i'm in man i i i'm just i'm just a huge jimmy woo fan so i'm down he he's a great you know proxy for the reader character proxy for the viewer character for yeah. sure yeah for sure definitely and uh and yeah so so that so i'm excited about that that was uh from marvel unlimited um so definitely get in there and check it out. There's, uh, um, they've been doing a really good job. I mean, both both they and uh, uh, DC. I think uh, both their digital formats do a good job with, you know, curating some different collections and and uh, you know it, it uh, not only the specific titles that we're kind of pointing out to everybody, but also uh, you know once you're on these format or you know platforms you're uh you know there's just a lot of stuff there and uh you'll have you'll have a great time so do it do yeah. it yeah you gotta get those you gotta get those yeah all right so what's your what's your wild card okay so my wild card is i actually i'm just gonna go back to i'm gonna i'm gonna you because it is wild card i can go any route so i'm gonna go and and circle back around to just classic uh comic format and uh dc black label edition book one batman three jokers in hand picked it up at the comic shop today i'm jealous super stoked man i mean i haven't read a word yet i'm saving it i'm after we 
we get off mic, I'm gonna sit down, but you know, did do a quick flip through and uh, boy, I just and you can't bought just wait. The, you got just the first one, right? Yep, yep. Because I think they're all out now, right? I think that's done. Okay, exciting. I I, I wasn't sure. I, I kind of assumed that, but I didn't see the other two. But uh, but I went ahead and picked this one up today, and I it's funny because I I happened to be going back by there tomorrow. That area so i'm going to pop back in um yeah you should be able to get the rest because i'm pretty sure that's all been released but yeah i'm well, good that i'm really excited perfectly. to read it i was saying off mic to you that i've been really trying to avoid um you know all the articles that have been coming out about it because i've heard it's really great and uh such an interesting take you know again it's one of these things that it's it, it's its own self-contained story and doesn't have to be part of you know canon or whatever and i think that's that's where some of the best stuff is right now you know where you can just get a limited series and it's its own thing it really is i i do think that it's not only where it's at right now but they're they're doing good work in that in that vein and as long as they're careful not to you know get so far away from the 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 source um you know you always got to come back and renew and replenish and 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 show what these, what makes these characters, you know, what they are. As long as you're doing that, occasionally, all of this, this kind of, you know, manipulation and, and tweaking is. I, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I'm a believer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm gonna have to go get that one too. That way we can talk about it. Well, good. Good. That um, that's exciting. Actually, I almost got I almost got one of them when me and Lucy were in the store this weekend. But to be honest, it was on the top shelf where you have to get assistance, and <laughs> my social anxiety did not allow me to ask for anything off the top shelf. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, it makes it makes for a better story. I'll get it next time. We're good. Um, but. But uh, before we wrap up, I did want to add, though, too, that, uh, you know, not to actual, not to shoehorn in extra picks, but, um, you know, just in general on the DC side this week, this is definitely a, a great week to go because in addition to, you know, the Infinite Frontier number zero, which kind of sets the table for a bunch of them, there's a bunch of stuff coming out. There's a new Swamp Thing number one coming out this week, a Suicide Squad number one where they're like i guess trying to recruit Superboy. <laughs> um there's a, a number one of a crime syndicate limited series that's gonna um you know i think it's just like a six or an eight issue um that's gonna go to earth three for that so this is a pretty good oh there's a and there's an uh uh wonder woman number one oh nice um, uh, a sensational Wonder Woman. It's a, a limited series, so it's a really oh, good I'm week for DC. That, so definitely uh, visit your local comic shop this week. And uh, yes, and DC fan. Yes, and support them. Support the support the brick and mortar for sure. But uh, well, good. I'm excited about that Wonder Woman. I, I'm, uh, uh, you know, she's she's a great character no matter what. But she's uh, her done right in a limited series is so, has been some of my favorite you know, stuff of, of late or, or of, you know, last handful of years. Yeah. 
Yeah, and this is, I mean, this one looks looks cool and just on a, you know, from a cultural standpoint as well, it's a, you know, female writer and a female artist with it too, which I think is cool. That, you know, kind oh, of good. When, when we were kids reading comics, that was non-existent. There was not, I mean, it was a, to say it was a boys club is an understatement. So that's pretty sweet that, you know, a major character like Wonder Woman's in, in the hands of women now. Imagine that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in good hands. Good, good and capable hands, most importantly. Yeah. So get to the comic shop this week. This is a, this is a good one. For sure, for sure, exciting. It's and it's, uh, yep, yeah. A lot of a lot of good stuffs coming down the pipe. So it's it's definitely a good time to to jump on board with a lot of these series. So. All right. Well, I hope you guys get a chance to check out some of these recommendations we've made, and we will be back next week with some more suggestions and. We're going to break down the uh, season finale of WandaVision next week as well. So we'll cover so episodes 8 and 9 of WandaVision next week. So make sure you check us out then. Until then, my name's Toby Shaver. I'm Shavy D. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.